Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 542nd ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened last week and what's ahead for this week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, co-host of the popular weekly syndicated radio show, A.P. and Kelly, As We See It, heard around the Southeast and on Spotify and other platforms as well, where they discuss the SEC, college football, and other sports as well. And when A.P. calls in next segment, we will go do a deep dive on tonight's college football national championship between Michigan and Washington. Should be a great one and look forward to talking about it. But first, we'll start with the NFL. And my highlight of the week is the Pittsburgh Steelers literally coming back from the dead to make the playoffs. They beat Baltimore uh, in a monsoon on Saturday in Baltimore. And then the Tennessee Titans did uh, the Steelers a big favor, uh, among other teams, uh, by beating the Jaguars and thereby punching Pittsburgh's tickets to the uh, right into the playoffs. Kind of ironic that Titans coach Mike Vrabel we all remember him as a Patriot, but in fact, he began his career with the Steelers, where he was an excellent linebacker there. And actually, I think his last play as a Steeler before going to the Patriots, and we're going back to the year, whatever, 2002, that time frame, uh, was a strip sack, I believe, of Drew Bledsoe in a playoff game in Three Rivers that uh, sealed the victory. Uh and the Patriots were moving on in the playoffs. So uh, Vrabel and the, his Titans did the Steelers uh, quite the solid yesterday, you might say. Um, and I have to just go on uh, j- just to give you context of where what an amazing near miracle this is. Uh, three weeks ago on my show of December 18th, I my exact words were my low light of the week was witnessing the Pittsburgh Steelers literally falling apart before our very eyes in what may be among the worst two weeks in 50 plus years. Uh, early in my career, I covered the Steel Curtain era Steelers uh, in, the, in the 70s, late 70s. Uh, but I went on to write again on December 18th and, and speak here at the sh- here on the show that they had lost at home to two, two and ten 
teams. And then uh, that would be the uh, Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals. And then they were bludgeoned on the ground on a Saturday evening by the Indianapolis Colts. And, oh, by the way, Kenny Pickett was injured. So Mason Rudolph has come to the rescue and uh, and won the last three. They had, obviously, no zero margin for error. And they won their last few games here to set themselves up. And, of course, a nasty game, as always, with the Ravens, who had nothing to play for and sat many of their starters. But yet, uh, of course, it was a tough game. It always is. It's in my, for my money, the uh, the best rivalry going on today in the NFL. For uh, and the games are always close, and you add in the monsoon and the stakes, and it was uh, it was great theater to say the least. On the bad note, T.J. Watt was injured, and when he was down on the ground, pound, pounding the ground, uh, you thought, oh boy, this is absolutely positively end of his year and uh, at that point of course we didn't even know if their Steelers would win uh, to extend their year but anyway uh, it looks like a, a MCL strain may or may not be ready uh, playoffs matchups are announced so the Steelers are going into Buffalo this Sunday at one o'clock uh, and we'll see the status of TJ Watt he is the in my mind the heart and soul of that team clearly their best player hands down uh, candidate yet again for defensive player of the year. And uh, he's a guy who makes game changing plays, game winning plays typically in the fourth quarter. And if not late, such as strip sack fumbles, interceptions, you name it to uh, basically uh, secure victories for the Steelers. So that's, uh, that's how good he is. Um, so, uh, the Steelers, again, they uh, stuck with it. Mike Tom, This really has to add to Mike Tomlin's legacy. Uh, you know, he's had a... They, they finished 10-7. and seven. Like, that's a good record, <laughs> given all that's gone on, shall we say. Um, and Mike Tomlin's added to his legacy with uh, the most winning seasons to start a career. Uh if he's, he's right there with some of the icons of the game. Um, so, uh, the Steelers are certainly, uh, have a lot to thank the Titans for and the Jaguars who lost. I was seeing a thing last night on NBC uh, that five weeks ago, six weeks ago, whatever, the Jaguars had a 96% chance, 96% of making the playoffs. And, of course, they're out. They're not making the playoffs. Their season's over. They lost their last five in a row, I believe it was, including, uh, again, the one they had to win yesterday, especially. So uh, kind of stunning uh, end to the season for them. Um, that leads into my – which is kind of bizarre, which leads into my bizarre story of the week, which is uh, the Tampa Bay – Buccaneers winning their third division title in a row for the first time in franchise history and securing a home playoff game a week from tonight in Tampa versus the absolutely reeling Philadelphia Eagles who were smoked 
up in the Meadowlands yesterday by the New York Giants, not a very good team. And uh, the Eagles have lost five of their last six, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the one they won was maybe against the Panthers, the team that the Bucks beat yesterday. Um, so the Bucks, in kind of Bucks fashion this year, uh, they, they won nine to nothing, <laughs> no touchdowns, and they held the Panthers scoreless. So the Bucks have a good defense. We all know that. A lot of guys still left over from that Super Bowl winning team with Tom Brady a few years back. They finished with a record of 9-8, and eight, winning record. Some people wondered if the NFC South winner would have a winning record. They do, 9-8. and eight. Uh, And just a really bizarre kind of year. Baker Mayfield, of course, come in to succeed Tom Brady. Uh, not an easy task. Um, and I think the Bucks are his fourth team. And uh, he's a tough guy. I'll say that for him. And he got him off to a really good start this year. Won, you know, like four out of five to begin the season. And then they had a horrible middle of the year, long losing streak, lost a lot of games. And then they've, uh, to their credit, and Coach Todd Bowles' credit, by the way, uh, they've recovered and have, have a nice streak here at the end of the season not perfect they had a horrible game last week in tampa against the saints that would have clinched the division in home and gave them a week to rest uh, that didn't happen uh, and had everybody in tampa wondering what is going on how could that happen with, with there so much on the line last week but they did what they needed to do yesterday it was you know the uh panthers gave them everything they could handle but they did what they needed to do, and they're hosting a playoff game. Uh, so uh, it all worked out for them, and it's just been a bizarre kind of year. And we'll see what happens next week. Uh, Jalen Hurts, as we might have, as you might have seen from yesterday's highlights, uh, may have hurt his finger on his throwing hand. Um, we'll see where that goes. And uh, but they've lost five out of six. So there's something going on in Philly. It's not good. And you have to think that the Bucks have a chance to uh, certainly compete, if not take them out altogether. Um, my low light of the week was Coach Bill Belichick in his potential last game at Gillette Stadium, losing to the hated Jets in a snow game, of all things. Uh it's it, it was a fitting end to just a disastrous season, the worst season in Belichick's career. Um, and what what the irony is for me as a season ticket member um, is that when I think back of uh, to the dynasty, remember that uh, the Brady years, of course, and I had a ringside seat for all of it, every game, uh, and the highlights were always the snow games. I was at the tuck roll game, last game ever at the old Foxborough Stadium. I was at the famous uh, Teddy Bruschi game where Teddy Bruschi was throwing uh, snow up in the air. We all remember the visuals from that. I was at the Tennessee Titans snow game. These are all at Gillette, of course. And uh, where I think Tom Brady and, and the boys rang up something that sounds like 59 points or 62 or something like that in, in 
uh, in a snowstorm. So, you, you know, again, three snow games that are among the top 10, if not top five highlights of, uh, you know, my years of going to Gillette Stadium and Patriot games. And, uh, oh, by the way, I was also at the famous Tennessee Titans Saturday night playoff game where the uh, straight temp was five below. The wind chill made it feel like 25 below, and it was all of that. Trust me, <laughs> a game I'll never forget either. So to see Belichick's potential, potential, no word yet um, on what his future is, um, but to see him lose to, again, the, the team that he resigned for, from, the New York Jets, to take over the Patriots, to see him lose to the Jets in a snow game in Foxborough after this, the worst season of his career was just, uh, just what's obviously my low light, frankly, just sad. So where will it go from here? Nobody knows, but it is going to be uh, fascinating to watch the football world and beyond is riveted uh, to see what happens and when it will happen. And we all know it could happen anytime soon or maybe not. But bottom line, he, Belichick, Robert Kraft, and Jonathan Kraft are all supposed to meet and go from there. A lot of subjects on the table, needless to say. Would he coach but not be the GM? He's been both for forever. Uh, his kids, they're both on the coaching staff, his two sons. Uh, where, where, where might that fall? Uh, how, how does that factor in? Uh, I'm in the camp that says if they part ways, uh, that, you know, Belichick would have multiple job offers immediately, period. Uh, by teams who simply want to instill a winning culture for that reason alone. Uh, and there's, there's many, but that to me is the, the big reason that he would come in and instill a winning culture. He's a legend and uh, still only, you know, still looking at becoming the winningest coach of all time, not that far now behind Don Shula. So it's going to be uh Fascinating to watch. Again, it's the the story in the NFL. Uh, and today is Black Monday. Uh, and I think there's already been two firings. Ron Rivera down in Washington. And Washington reportedly is, uh, is hot on the trail of Belichick, uh, their new owner. Um, and Arthur Smith. From the Falcons, I think he was let go at like one minute after midnight last night. I feel like I got the news, you know, from Sports Center or whatever, or even the Sunday night football game. So no time was wasted there. Um, and by the way, speaking of watching TV last night, the Bills-Dolphins game was just simply fabulous, which set up the final playoff schedule. You've all seen it by now. Uh, and... It should be a fun weekend. I think there's going to be two, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday night, which, of course, is the Bucks hosting the uh, Eagles to close it out. And by the way, speaking of great games over the weekend at night, the Texans-Colts game on Saturday night was absolutely terrific. Immediately following the Ravens-Steelers uh, epic game. So... 
Uh, let's hope the playoffs this weekend are as good as the weekend just passed because there were some fabulous, fabulous games. So now let's take our break and we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, co-host of the popular weekly syndicated radio show, A.P. and Kelly, As We See It, heard around the Southeast and on Spotify and other platforms as well, where they discuss the SEC, college football, and other sports as well. We, of course, will be discussing tonight's national championship college football game between Michigan and Washington, so don't go anywhere. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Bright Horizons College Coach, a team of former admissions and financial aid officers, the show takes a deep dive on subjects such as choosing the best essay topic, negotiating merit aid, and navigating the common app. Listeners will learn what really goes into college acceptance decisions from the experts who used to make them. New episodes drop Thursdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, 
The call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, co-host of the popular weekly syndicated radio show, A.P. and Kelly, As We See It, heard around the Southeast and on Spotify and other platforms as well, where they discuss the SEC, college football, and other sports. And A.P., how you doing today? Hey, doing very well, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you, as always, for calling in. And you've had, uh, well, the college football world is a buzz, as we all know, with tonight's big national championship game in Houston between Michigan and Washington. And you, uh, you covered one of those semifinal games both of which were spectacular. Uh, so why don't you tell our listeners all about it? You, of course, as always, were, were on the scene. Yeah, John, the Alabama number four team out of the Southeastern Conference faced the number one team out of the Big Ten, University of Michigan, in the Rose Bowl, the 110th Rose Bowl edition. It was a fabulous competitive game. Uh, my premise before the game was that I would say Alabama would win if their quarterback, Jalen Milrow, was not contained, and Michigan probably would win if they were able to corral him just enough, which they did. He had 112 rushing yards, but it was a net of 63 because he was sacked six times for 49 yards of loss, and that uh, finishes... Uh, he finished his day with three yards of carry, so that's not enough to be a number one team. And, of course, they stopped him on the goal line in overtime on the fourth down and three play. They sure did. Uh, a play which I'm guessing uh, will live in infamy because, uh, you know, watching it real time, like uh, along with millions, tens of millions of others, I didn't think it was a great call. <laughs> you know, it just seemed so basic. Right. Uh and, of course, uh, being up in New England, uh, a lot of people compared it to the famous uh, Mark Sanchez butt fumble against the Patriots back in the day. And uh, it just seemed so basic. And it was just over so quick. You know, I, I'm i no coach, but if I was AP, I swear every time a circumstance like that presents itself, especially with a quarterback like Mun, uh, like. Uh, Alabama has Monroe. I would uh, always, always, always just do like a run, a run pass option and RPO. At least rather, rather than restrict yourself to to one option, especially a quick one like what occurred. Uh, you know, give yourself a little time. You know, sprint out of the pocket, run it yourself, throw to somebody, whatever it takes. But just stretch the play out, given the stakes. But that's not what happened on that play. In fact, it was the exact opposite. It was over in a in an instant. Yes, John. Yeah, it sure was. In the play they called, the snap was low. They had the running back right. in motion to the left. The right tackle, who was 300-plus pounds, was overwhelmed by a defensive player 100 pounds less than him and pushed into the backfield. His leg uh, stretched out, and the quarterback tripped a little bit on this leg. Right, And I know the Michigan team, they were sending everybody they could at their quarterback because they know he's the best athlete on Alabama's team. And sure. they chose to go up to center. The right guard pulled to the left. There was possibility of an opening to the left. People say he would have walked in, but I know I see that there was a defender there, so he might have tackled him. I'm not sure, but 
that's the um, scenario that some people presented and the way they right. observed the play. But like you said, it was over in an instance, and I would have given them more time to have a decision whether to run or throw the ball. Um, it was a fourth down play from the three-yard line, so it was essentially we're just going to whip you in the middle, and Michigan had been strong all day at that position. So he ran into the teeth of the defense, and they stopped him on the two-yard line. So he made a yard. So that was one-third of, of what should have been uh, realized on that play. One yard, and he needed three over three to get a touchdown. Exactly. And you said the key word, AP, decision. Let's not forget that, you know, in maybe the play of the entire college football season, when he threw that touchdown pass to beat Auburn, you know, he was dancing around in the pocket for what seemed like an eternity. Six because seconds. Yeah, six, six seconds because Auburn, yeah. yeah, Auburn was only rushing two, maybe three uh, two. players, yeah. two, and then I think they had a third looming out there, uh, and then the rest were just deep. So, I mean... He had a long time to make a decision, and he made a great one, and then made a great play. Um, so, yeah. you, you know, yeah. that, that's I was, and I was actually thinking of that kind of real time as the play is unfolding because there was a timeout, of course, maybe two, and I was thinking, you know, Monroe is very capable of pulling us off. He, he already did it, so there was, should have been some confidence yeah. there and decision making, athletic ability, all of it. He he was the guy you want in that position. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Milrow, uh, John, uh, he, Mil- Milrow, sorry. had six, six. Yeah, that's okay. He had six seconds on that Auburn play. Cause I counted, I was right there. I filmed it. And then the other thing, Auburn made a mistake because you had a spy. There was no reason for a spy. If the, the player had to run 31 yards, somebody would have tackled him hopefully within that 31 yards. So they wasted a player just watching him instead of rushing. Mm-hmm. But even if he delayed the rush by a count, it would have been beneficial to them. But anyway, on that fourth down play, um, Michigan was prepared, and they came strong up that middle, and they made the tackle, and it was all said and done and over. I thought that Michigan out-schemed Alabama offensively, especially in the red zone. One of the plays, they ran to the left side for the touchdown. There were two players their quarterback could have thrown to for a touchdown. I mean, they two players on the same side, not even guarded. Not guarded right. at all. So there's total confusion, okay, by Alabama's defense. Then the first two plays of the game, they rushed the quarterback. They sacked him. They ran him down. I knew that Michigan had enough speed. There's always the contention that the Big Ten doesn't have speed. Uh, they have the power, but not the speed. The SEC has the speed and some and power as well. But when you watch those games and you watch all the bowl games of the Big Ten teams playing the SEC teams, now they didn't win all the games or the SEC didn't win all the games, but um, – you can see that there's speed everywhere in this country. Okay, I think that's an old myth that should have died probably 10 years ago. But Michigan, number one defense, I think, for points, nine points a game. They were tough. They had a good uh, front seven. The linebackers were nimble. The defensive backs were all over the Alabama receivers. They had a couple plays, 10, 12 yards, maybe 15 at the most. They shut them down, a little bit over 100 yards passing. They had 170 yards running, but it was the lowest total of the year, 280 yards I think it was so obviously Michigan can play defense and you if, if you play against an SEC team you better have some speed and they did you don't shut people down to less than 300 yards in this day and age if you don't have some speed and, and power on defense so that's a misnomer that I think we can bury that now forever as far as the big and their speed yeah, that, yeah that's something that I don't know it, it was that had dust on it 
that has dust on it, right? It, um, it does, so I agree. Just forget, forget that notion. But Michigan, excellent team. Their quarterback, he played very, very well. I wouldn't say exceptional, but he played very, very well. He had a nice run on the edge for, oh, I don't know, close to 20 yards, through for 200 yards. Um, and I know I was sitting next to somebody, they asked me about Michigan, and I said, well, Michigan will run the ball, Michigan will throw it to the tight end, and Michigan will call a trick play. So in three successive plays, it was run the ball, threw to the tight end, and then the next play was that, that trick play where they threw it backwards to the quarterback on the left side. He caught, caught it with one hand with the Alabama defender all over him, and he lofted the ball because the receiver was wide open. That's all he had Correct. to do was get it out of his hands and in the direction and vicinity of the receiver. He made a, a nice catch and grab for, oh, maybe 30 yards or so. And so Michigan, solid football team. They made mistakes, John. Dropped two punts. I mean, that one at the end was a critical. I, oh I'm God. thinking to myself. That was a heart stopping moment. On the special teams, yeah, yeah. Your heart was in your throat. And no if question. you're a Michigan uh, fan, and if John, if you're the special teams coach, I'm thinking to myself, how many times do I have to tell everybody to please let the ball roll if it's coming to the ten yard line? And especially at the end of the game, why do we need to catch the ball? About a minute or so, whatever's left. We do not need to catch the ball, number one. Number two, we tell you over and over, do not catch it on the 10-yard line. Let it roll. And right. the player, made, the, to the player's credit, he made the mistake, and he fumbled, but he grabbed the hold of it, and they popped him. He could have lost that ball into the end zone. Game game could have been essentially over with a touchdown, right, because they would have had a short time to uh, tie, up, tie up the ball game. But oh yeah, it could have been Michigan with the an extra point, or a fumble, yeah, it could have been a safety. The two points, fumble, whatever. Missed the extra point, missed the field goal, fumbled twice. So they made mistakes. Michigan did. Um, they did. But Alabama could not capitalize, and Alabama's, like I said, they shut down the receivers. They had some yards running the football, but their quarterback, who's the playmaker for Alabama, he could not get loose enough. He made some runs over ten yards, a couple of them, but. Certainly, you, you weren't going to uh, win a ball game. You weren't going to drive the field more than a couple of times. Uh, and they held them to the 20 points, and that was all she wrote. And they made it that fourth-quarter drive with four minutes left, and that was it. It was game, the game's not all the chips are in the center of the table. Correct. There you go. Four, fourth down and two, they threw it to the number two, that running back, caught it and ran about 40 yards down the sideline. They had a penalty. uh hitting the player in the back, blocking in the back, so that was 15 yards from the 30 or 40 yards. But they made the play on fourth down. Alabama didn't because, like I said, they out-schemed Alabama on offense and defense a number of plays. I'm not saying every play, of course, but a plenty uh, uh, the, ma- the majority of crucial moments, they were out-schemed. No doubt about it. Um, well, it's... Uh... It was a game for the ages, uh, as was the the other one, Washington and Texas. So why don't we take our break now, AP, and we'll get into a little talk about, uh, you know, the Washington-Texas game, which was yet another thriller, and we'll do so on the other side. So don't go anywhere. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. 
From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're headed for new hunts and new beginnings, and in our crosshairs are skunks, snakeheads, sharpies, nilgai, and even some fudge from Uranus. Guiding us with no fear or trepidation will be the legendary Scott Lasath of Dead Meat, plus the outlaw whisker chaser Cat Daddy, and the one and only Mrs. Bunny. The Revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show voice america listeners welcome back to segment three and the final segment for this busy show of all around sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call in number is 1 866 472 5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Back on the line with us is our weekly call in expert, AP Studham, co host of the popular weekly syndicated radio show, AP and Kelly As We See It, heard around the Southeast and on Spotify and other platforms as well, where they discuss the SEC, college football, and other sports as well and before we get started my pick of the week for appointment viewing is obviously tonight's michigan washington national championship game from houston and ap uh we spent the previous segment talking about uh course uh the college football playoff and you covered the epic Michigan victory over Alabama in the Rose Bowl. And AP, it was interesting. I, I've been to the Rose Bowl. You've been to the Rose Bowl, obviously, as recently as a couple weeks ago. And uh, a week ago, I should say. And uh, and there was a lot of chatter about uh, after the game and whatnot uh, that they should, you know, the setting is so beautiful. And I, I, I've been there. 
And you have also, you know, the, the sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains, uh, the Rose Bowl Parade, of course, every New Year's Day adds to it. Uh, and, you know, the, the gorgeous weather. It's California. And uh, so a lot of chatter about making it the permanent home. They should just have you know, the national championship game every year. Uh, but, you know, and the setting is unparalleled there is nothing quite like it in all of sports i dreamed of going there my whole life finally made it for the for the rose bowl one year and uh that was that um but ap there's other areas that need to be addressed uh so i just wanted to throw that out there so you and i could discuss that because uh as beautiful as it is it's antiquated deficiencies of the facility itself for the fans um, correct maybe- People in the press press area, it's different for them, but uh, for the fans, uh, uh, the gates situation, it's very difficult to enter the stadium. There's backup with thousands of people, you know, minutes before the game. People are trying to rush through to get to their seat. Right. Um, I think there were, there were some uh, food and water and drink situations that, that weren't complete and that weren't sufficiently stopped uh, i'll just say and uh, right. so that causes some issues and like you said the setting is gorgeous but this, the stadium itself for the fans and that experience it's antiquated and so i don't agree that that should be the place every year for the national championship you if you that's the case and i would say okay well we're willing to uh consider that option but you have to get up to up to standard Correct. In a number Correct. of areas. Yeah. No doubt about it, AP. You know, it's just, uh, I mean, I loved it. And, you know, I like, I think anybody on their first uh, visit to the Rose Bowl, you know, is so excited. I've always said that, you know, got up at 4 a.m. that day, and it was the 1995 Rose Bowl between Penn State and Oregon. And uh, a famous Kajana Carter 83-yard run on the first play of the game for anybody who needs a reminder. <laughs> and Penn State was undefeated right. that day. Um, yes. But AP, you know, I got up at 4 in the morning in downtown Los Angeles, you know, took a bus out, got there at like whatever, 6 a.m. to watch them prepare for the parade. And then the parade itself is just spectacular. And then I went to a tailgate at Jackie Robinson Field. I'll never forget that with 25,000 of my Penn State friends. Um, and then you'll go over to the game. Uh, so, AP, right, yeah, given, yeah. given the Rose Bowl parade and a football game, I've always said it's the ultimate date. Um, you yeah, know, a day, the, a day at the Rose Bowl. Fantastic. Yeah, roses yeah. in the morning and football in the afternoon. And there's just nothing like it. And again, you. You can practice as much as any event, I think, in the world. You can go to the bank, but it's probably going to be sunny. And it, nine out of ten right. years, it is. It's amazing how that yeah, happens. And then yeah, sunset over the San Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, and sunset over the San Gabriel Mountains, you know, the game begins in daylight, given the time they play. I'm talking about the Rose Bowl every year. The game begins in daylight sunlight <laughs> and you know it ends in darkness and oh by the way in the middle is the sun setting over the beautiful san gabriel mountains it's an unforgettable experience i highly recommend it to any sports fan bucket list for sure um 
So yeah, AP, and I know you agree with all that stuff, but yeah, the stadium, you, you know, so I don't remember, my point is, I don't remember, like, I don't think anything could have bothered me that day. I could have waited for two hours in line. I do remember we went early, in early. like, I wasn't right, right. taking any chances, put it that way, that I would no. as much as miss a no, flight. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, right. I, you know, I, I don't have some bad memory of waiting in a three-hour line or something inside the stadium. I, I was there in plenty of time, but I went in plenty of time. I left plenty of time. Uh, it's, it's, it's intriguing AP, but they have to bring it up. They have to get it better than it is, but you, you know, in the same light, uh, yeah. you, you know, an overhaul would take, I, I'm guessing at least two seasons, you, you know, two years where they could not host it for due to be, might, might you know, be. Furbished. minimum a year, of course, I'll say minimum, minimum a year. Yes. Yeah. Which they could get by with. I don't know. I think so. But yeah, it's, it yeah. needs to be preserved and, and updated. I mean, more than preserved, it needs to be updated and now competitive with today's spectacular stadiums that you and I have been to many times. Um, yes. And John, we, we all know that the Rose Bowl was not held there twice. Once in well, during World War II, I think it was 1943, right. maybe, uh, in Durham, Correct. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then recently it was in Arlington, Texas. And so I was at that game when Alabama played Notre Dame. I think that was the two teams. Exactly. So it can be done. I, I mean, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure it can. Obviously. Um, well, AP, once again, your report from the scene, from attending. Uh, that's just awesome. Uh, college football semifinal. Uh, terrific as always. But the other semifinal was great, too. Uh, I think that was the Peach Bowl. No, not the Peach Bowl. Um, Sugar. Yeah. Sugar Bowl. The Sugar New in New Orleans. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Tough to keep yeah. them all straight. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. So Washington uh, eking out a victory over Texas. They had a, a nice lead. Felt comfortable by the end of the third quarter. You said, oh, well, this could be, you know, they put it away and this could be a runaway. And then it all turned, especially with an injury to the running back of Washington that then created like a timeout and a pause in the game. And next thing you know, Texas is, uh, you know, in the red zone with like two or three chances to, uh, to win the game. So it was a crazy, crazy fourth quarter in that regard. Texas just kept coming to their, uh, to their credit, but Washington hang, hung on. They're known for their offense, not their defense, but yet it was the defense that made the penalt- the ultimate play on the final, on the final pass. Yeah, John, Washington understands how to win. They don't have the best defense, but they hold on enough, and uh, – they they prevailed and John how I how I previewed that game was I I saw that they played last year now two different teams two different years now did uh, Penix Michael Penix Jr. threw fifty five passes I, I believe for about two hundred eighty or so yards something like that so that's a lot of passes for two hundred only two hundred eighty yards correct right so absolutely this year, I'm thinking he probably has some confidence he has some confidence playing against this team. So this year he threw, I think, was 38 passes, completed 29, but it was for 430 yards and two touchdowns. So I knew that he would play. Uh, I thought he'd play well because most of the time, John, when you watch these quarterbacks who have some success against the team, normally next year they play either about the same or better. So and they they won that game in Texas. So here is another game in in their part of the world 
New Orleans, right next to uh, Louisiana, right next to Texas. But that then phase that Washington team who understands how to win, and they their defense just plays well enough. It's like that LSU defense in the Joe Burrow years. It wasn't sensational, but they, they hung on during different games. So Correct. I just thought that Washington would find a way to win that ball game, and Texas's pass defense was not going to be good enough. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I, I felt all along that, you know, Washington would uh, would win the game uh, after watching them beat Oregon in the conference championship game, following up their earlier victory against Oregon in what was maybe the best college football regular season game of the year back in, I think, late September. So, you know, you said it perfectly, AP. They know how to win. I think uh, there's a crazy statistic that either the last five Washington games of the regular season or whatever, or even most of their games ended up being one-score games. Like, practically every game they played was in doubt in the fourth quarter, but yet Washington pulled them all out. They're undefeated. And, uh, and you know, some were comebacks, some were holding leads. Uh, the Texas game was clearly holding a lead. But, no, so they have the goods, and, you know, Every, there's strong reason to believe that you know tonight we'll go down to the wires like the two semifinal games. So I think it's a great matchup. Michael Michael Penix, he, he is he's something to watch. Uh, he throws yeah, sensational, yeah, sensational. AP he threw a couple what I'll call missiles. Like I couldn't believe how hard and long he threw a couple passes just in the game against Texas, like 40, 50 yeah, yards mm-hmm. on a, on a rope. Yeah. I knew he had a good arm. I didn't know it was quite that strong. And, you know, you, you, I think you notice it a little more when it's coming out of a, you know, from a left-hander. It just has a different yeah. look to it than we're used to. Um, yeah. But, no, he was rifling that ball on a couple of occasions, and he had to. He had no choice, given the way the play had developed. So, yeah, AP, uh, you know, for any Penn State fan, of course, uh, you know, Michael Penix announced his uh, arrival with that famous opening game victory against Penn State uh, national TV, yeah. where he, you know, basically ran and touched the pylon on the way in, and still controversial to this day. But Indiana was awarded the touchdown. That's who he used to play for, of course. And then he uh, and they won, and Penn State started zero and five, and I think then won their last five. But that play set the tone for that season for Penn State and for Indiana. I mean, he kind of, he was spectacular at Indiana. Uh, big injury history, as we know. Uh, but he, he's a special player. Yeah, came out of Florida. And, John, let's remember, he beat Michigan at Indiana. So in his mind, once again, as we look forward to this game, he beat Michigan with Indiana talent. Different teams, different years. But subconsciously or consciously, he's thinking to himself, I beat this team. And I have three NFL tap receivers, good running back, offensive line, I think going into the playoffs, maybe 11 sacks. Just to give you an idea, Alabama for the final year gave up 49 sacks. Washington was 11 going into the playoffs. I think that's right. You know, a team like Georgia, 14, 12, 14, something like that. So this is a completely different team that that Michigan will face. Their offensive line protects their quarterback. Plus, he can run around, and he's much more accurate. He's a pure passer. And just to give you an idea about the closeness of the games, Sean, the last six games, eight points, nine points, ten points, seven points, two points, three points. So they don't have any fear of playing in a tight ball game. None, none. And that could be uh, the deciding factor tonight. If it's close at the end, it really could be. Yeah. 
Uh, although Michigan has one under their belt too, from uh, you know a week ago. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but Michigan, absolutely, yeah, both teams. Right. I mean, there's no fear playing in a tight ball game and making the uh, crucial play with when time is of the essence. No, both teams. So that's why I think it'll be a good ball game, and it's all dependent on if Michigan can control the game. Yeah, I don't believe. I wouldn't suggest going two for eleven on third downs like they did against Alabama. They give Washington more possessions. But there are teams that have slowed Washington down. You know, Arizona State 15 points, uh, Washington State 24, Oregon State 22. So there are teams that have slowed them down. Yeah. API tuned in at least twice this year. And I think it was that Arizona State game um, that yeah. uh, where I said, oh, Washington's going to lose. They're like homecoming, they, uh, homecoming yeah, game. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Uh, you know, their undefeated season's about to go out the window, and uh, but yeah. yet that never happened. They held on every time or came back or whatever they needed to do. Um, they're a likable team, AP. They just are. Yeah. I, 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 for whatever reason, maybe it's because their colors are my high school colors, and so I guess I'm partial to purple and gold, like LSU as well. <laughs> and uh, and But I've always liked them going back to the Don James era. I just have... Um, and, you know, they're, again, I think they're just a, a likable organization. They rise up every once in a while, it seems, and just burst onto the national scene in any given year. But they're always good. Don't get me wrong. They can always compete for the PAC, formerly, former, sad, sad yeah, to say, yeah, PAC-12 championship. I, I be, they're, they're great oh, program. Yeah. Great program. Yeah, I would be interested, John, to see their recruiting classes because this idea that, you get the top recruiting class and you're going to have a good team. I think that's a misnomer. We've seen that many, many times. I mean, uh, right. you venture, you, you like to, to, to uh, research it and think, and think how many times did we have teams that had top five recruiting classes, let's say for five straight years. And then they end up in the top five for five straight years or uh, seven years, you know, cause you want to give them a couple of years to, to uh, develop those players. But, you know, Washington, nobody's discussing their recruiting classes, I don't think. Are they, John? Not that I've heard. Not that I've heard. You know, they're tucked up in the northwest corner of the country, in a big city, Seattle. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, we were talking about the beauty of the Rose Bowl. Uh, one of the bucket list stadiums I want to go to is the Washington Husky Stadium. It sits yeah. there on Puget Sound. Beautiful. Every time I tune in, I'm looking at it going, yeah. that looks spectacular it doesn't get enough coverage it is you know and yeah, uh and it, i've i've never been to a game there john but i've been to the stadium and i covered a basketball game there one time when the nc was held there the final four is an all-star game on a sunday but you see the stadium right there on that water beautiful yeah good well that's interesting to hear because i have not been there but it looks on tv utterly spectacular oh yeah and uh oh yes yeah, so they're kind of, uh, you know, I'll speak for myself, a likable program in my estimation, I, you know, uh, where Michigan, given the year they've had, their controversial year, needless to say, yeah. with the Harbaugh suspensions right. and whatnot, uh, highlighted by, frankly, the Penn, game, Penn State game, which I watched very closely, and the fact that he was sitting in a hotel room, apparently, in State College, the decision to not let him coach hadn't come down or till late afternoon the the day before blah 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 uh it's all history now but all of this has brought this michigan team together 
in a big way, you know, us against the world, yeah. it, it, it would seem. Yeah. So there, there's a little bit of, you, you know, the villain look. I don't look at it that way, you know. No, uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't either. At all. No. No. No, no I, there's coaches always try to get an advantage, and I don't, I mean, you still have to have the players to, to uh, execute your plan, and yeah, and there's there are always people always doing things like that, but I, I don't know. Absolutely. It'll all be somebody will make a decision about the, those actions. So I don't know, but I just wanted to say a few things about Michigan, John. One, a couple of things that Roman Wilson, the slot receiver, he's from Hawaii, I believe. He mm-hmm. is quick and competent and very good. And then that number two, the running back Blake Corm, he is much more impressive in person. He has good balance, vision, tough to tackle, 215 pounds on that 5'8 frame. And he has the burst. He has the burst. So he's okay. much more impressive in person and just watching on TV. And he scored 25 touchdowns, so that's, that's a record. I mean, that's, that's wow. a long time for Michigan football, right? 25 rushing touchdowns. Oh, absolutely. Well, AP, it's hard to believe we're, we're at the end of our show, and we even skipped a break, one of our typical breaks, because there's just so much to discuss uh, just on college football alone. And, uh, you know, I think we gave it a pretty thorough analysis. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, you and I have both covered college football playoff national championship games in person. And, uh, you, you know, it, it's a great scene. Uh, so I think it should be terrific. And uh, we're all hoping for a good game. And if this game is half as good or dramatic as the two college football playoff semifinals, one of which you intended, the Rose Bowl, uh, then I think we're all going to feel pretty good about things. Yeah, John, it was um, a great uh, two semifinals, and we'll hopefully have the equally uh, as competitive championship game tonight in Houston, Texas. I agree, and let's just hope for a a fun night of watching football. And uh, AP, I just want to thank you, as always, for calling and enlightening me and our listeners. And uh, great show. Thank you, John. My pleasure, as always. And thank you again, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.